from the All Indiana Podcast Network. This is Who's Got Next? Who's Got Next with Wish TV's Charlie Clifford. Now, here's Charlie Clifford. I'm emotional because I I love Frank Wright. I I really do. And he's he's one of the best damn football coaches I've ever been around. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was hoping that, that him and I would be able to coach against each other uh, in this game. But he he is one of, he he's my one of my biggest mentors. I got my dad, I got Larry Karras, and and I got Frank Reich. And Frank's such a good football coach. And uh, yeah, you don't want to know what I think uh, of if he should be here or not. But because uh, you guys can probably imagine what I really think. Um, and I love him, and uh, so I got a little bit emotional about that. Spent a lot of time here. My kids, one of my child, children, was born here, and it's. Uh, it was sweet to come here, especially with what happened in this organization in the last couple of weeks, and, and, and get the win. The win. We live in Indianapolis with a win. Nicholas Sirianni had a message for Jim Irsay, and you just heard it. No, Jim Irsay was not mentioned by name. Peter Hood is back. Peter, I am wondering how many coaches on the current Colts staff who worked with Frank Reich would have loved to say what Sirianni did post-game yesterday, but Obviously, you can't when you're still employed by the organization. What's your guess on that? Uh, well, he mentioned, Sirianni mentioned in the press conference, talking to some of his former colleagues and guys he used to coach here, and he said, I'm not going to repeat the things that they said, but you can imagine what those conversations were like, right? I, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, like you said, he, he probably said on that microphone what a lot of guys in that building, particularly on the coaching staff, have been feeling for a couple weeks now and then he he reiterated it today I believe Sirianni did in his follow-up press conference where he basically said I think Frank Reich he came out and said I think Frank Reich should still be the coach there and uh I think that probably sums up how a lot of people in that building feel it is not how the the fans feel by the way (laughs) I don't think any I don't think any of the fans or very many fans feel the same way Sirianni uh does but I, I think internally there's a lot of people that do I think you're right about that And it really opens a small can of worms here, which considering there are still six games left, there's a lot of football to be played. There are still many ways this thing could go down the stretch. But to this point, from a public relations standpoint, the Colts, I think, probably thought this has started about as well as it could have with the win in Vegas, all the players taking the high road on Reich's firing, essentially, and giving Saturday a chance both publicly and internally and now the question becomes if this spirals and snowballs will more of these feelings and sentiments start to leak out publicly down the stretch out of frustration I think that is a very probable forecast if this team loses to Pittsburgh loses to Dallas and then realizes after that Dallas game then the season is done. Yeah, and, and at what point, I think certainly going into yesterday, you could see the fight was still there. There was yeah, still a was. belief that they could get this thing turned around. A win yesterday clearly would have been huge on a lot of different levels. And you're at the end of the day, you're that close. You're you're one or two plays away. Really one play. One get play a away. stop on fourth down, yep. down by the goal line, and you win the fourth game. Fourth and two. Um, but they didn't. They're at where they're at now. We, we know the odds are stacked against him at this point and how many more losses does it take for this team to kind of tap out given everything one. you think so that you, think, one. you think the pittsburgh yeah. loss would be would be the knockout punch that'd be it i yeah. mean they're just you have to go five and one the rest of the way at minimum I, yes to yeah. feel good about 
what your chances are of playing in the postseason. This team, Peter, has allowed more than 20 points once over the past five games, and they're one and four. So at some point, unless Gus Bradley is the most underrated defensive coach in the National Football League at the moment, at some point you're going to see regression from the defense, I would expect. It's it's just they're playing at an incredibly high clip. Right. And that's no insult to anyone. At some point, there's going to be signs of regression there. Well, it just goes to show how bad the Colts' offense has been this year. The the, the number you mentioned being one in four, uh, d- despite the defense not allowing twenty points in those games, and it, it it's just in order to win games with how bad the Colts' offense has been. You have to have not a good defense or a very good defense. You have to have an elite yes. defense. You have to have a New England level defense. They're doing it right now. Their offense stinks. But their defense Atrocious. is so elite that they're, I think, seven and four or whatever their record is, because like because that's that's Six the level that's the level you have to be at if your offense is going to be this bad. And the Colts' defense, I would put in the good to very good category, maybe even close to great, but they're not elite. And I think we've seen um, in a, in a couple of instances this year the Washington game not being able to get off the field late, uh, and then the Philadelphia game, obviously yesterday, not being able to get off the field late. If you're an elite defense, you find a way to get off the field in the biggest moment. They played well all game. You cannot blame the defense. If you came into the game yesterday saying you guys are going to allow 17 points to the Philadelphia Eagles, you got to win that game. At the same time, you got a couple chances to get off the field, right? That third down, that bomb to Miles Sanders where Zaire Franklin just tackles him on the sideline. The, the, The third down and the fourth down, down by the goal line, like, you know, a truly elite defense there finds a way to get off the field. They find a way to get off the field against the Commanders. You're sitting here with the same record as the Patriots right now. Mm-hmm. But the Colts good. don't have an good. elite defense. They have a good to very good defense, and that is not good enough to overcome quite literally the worst offense in the NFL. You've said that for weeks. The numbers continue to back it up. It's not going to change heading into Week 12 after that performance. Peter, everything started with the run game yesterday. That was objective one. That was Philadelphia's weakness. Jonathan Taylor, opening series, first touchdown for the Colts on an opening series since Christmas night, Wentz to T.Y. Hilton in Arizona. The Colts had had six total first downs on opening drives the entire season. They put up four yesterday right off the bat. Lucas Oil Stadium is rocking. And then the final 10 drives yesterday, the Colts put together 10 total first downs. The number I had circled, Jonathan Taylor in the second half, 11 carries, 20 yards, and a fumble. Yeah. Why did this thing go silent? What have you seen on tape so far that makes this make sense? I I saw, and you and I were talking about this before we hopped on here, um, I think it was uh, Brad Baldinger, um, Brian Brian Baldinger, excuse me, um, who had a, a a great breakdown of basically the the interior of the Eagles defensive line, which was essentially pulled which they off just the street got last their jerseys week. Right. yesterday when they flew into Indianapolis. Right. Hey, here's your jersey. And Dominican Sue, 34 years old, and Linval Joseph, 35 years old, um, both making their their season debuts, and essentially they they owned the interior of the Colts offensive line. I mean, it they, it, it they made it. They owned Kelly, Ryan Kelly, and Will Fries to the point where there was there was just nowhere to go. I mean, if you go watch, it's like two minutes and nineteen seconds. Go watch Baldinger's Breakdown. on his Twitter account. 
go watch the breakdown and you'll you'll get a pretty clear answer it's quite literally a breakdown yeah yeah on on why the colts weren't able to to run the ball in the sec in the second half but we i mean like we knew like you said that was going to be the the ticket coming in that was the only chance you had was to basically follow the washington script right you know run it 40 times keep philadelphia's offense off the field um, wear them down defensively and I think that's what's most disappointing is you weren't able to take advantage of an Eagles defense that was so beat up that they had to sign two guys off the street uh, and and are coming off of a game where they played 70 snaps defensively on Monday on Monday short week and after the first drive you, you can't get anything going on the ground I think that just that just speaks to where the Colts offensive line is right now and you know, we were wondering last week after they had the, the good performance against mm-hmm. Vegas, was that an anomaly because of how bad Vegas' defense is, or or is this a potential turning point for that unit? And I think we got our answer yesterday. The the Vegas game was an anomaly and and yesterday was more of a regression to the mean in terms of what we've seen all season. Yeah, your answer in the second half. It was a pretty clean first half up front offensively. One quarterback hit of Matt Ryan. Yeah. The opening drive. That was a legit touchdown drive. The quick little two-minute operation before half, clean. Um, but you're right. To have that step back, knowing that the Eagles were playing on tired legs at that point with inexperience from a you know, schematical standpoint of did Sue and Joseph know exactly what they were supposed to do yesterday? Probably not, but they found a way physically. They won their matchups. Yeah, right. they just won one-on-one. And we talked about it at length yesterday pregame. The rest of that Eagles defense is a good unit. Yeah, hard so, to throw on that team. That secondary is truly an elite. I mean, they as elite move. as it gets. Yeah, they can move. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We spoke about it a little bit from a playmaking perspective. Matt Ryan had about as dull of a day quarterbacking-wise in terms of no no turnovers. He, um, but interesting on Ryan real quick. Yeah, um, I was I was in the same boat as you. I mean, I I felt like he was just okay. Nothing nothing great. Nothing bad. Wasn't bad. His PFF grade by far the best on the Colts offense yesterday. Yeah. Um, he had a seventy seven seven. Michael Pittman was next with a seventy one point three. So according yeah. according to the people who grade these things out, he was making <laughs> the right reads when he was when he was yeah. when he was dropping back. Um, but obviously not a lot of explosive plays to, to other than the one to Campbell. Uh, which you know missed opportunity down by the goal line there. 
Final drive, Deion Jackson on the field over Jonathan Taylor. Minute 20 on the clock, one timeout. Taylor didn't see the field. Do you have a problem with that? I think that is that was for pass protection, I would Je- assume. Jeff Saturday said that was the plan going in. Two-minute situation late in the game. It would be Jackson gives you maybe a tad of an upgrade in the pass catching game from an emergency I don't know to me I I think Jonathan Taylor picking up a a free rusher I'm choosing that over Deion Jackson every day of the week and it's not like Taylor hasn't shown that I mean how many screens did they try to set up for him yesterday right to me that was odd he's your best playmaker this is a musket situation um I would I'm I'm guessing they would like a do-over on obviously the whole drive outside of that one pass play to Paris Campbell. Everything was either an incompletion or a negative play. Right. Thought that was odd, that 28 standing on the sideline with the game on the line. So for what it's worth, again, PFF grades, not everything, but Jonathan Taylor this year has been one of the worst pass-blocking running backs wow. in the NFL. 20, 22.8 that, out that. of 100 pass-blocking grade for the season. Uh, that's gone over my head. Yesterday, he's he's been better the last few weeks, but that's not been an area he's been great in this year. Deion Jackson hasn't been great either, but maybe that's it was a situation where, okay. you know, kind of pick your poison a little bit there. Um, Feels like you're doing that often at many spots on right. offense. And that's that's again, it all goes back to the offensive line. I think everything that they're doing right now is just, they're trying to mask that line as much as they can. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it it's, limits you. It's just such a, a hindrance, um, and and I think JT not being on the field in that situation speaks to that. They feel like they have to have Deion Jackson in there to have an extra guy in there to block, and it still did matter because they still gave up a sack um, on the last drive of the game. So just uh, it just goes to show um, when, when you have a bad offensive line, we're seeing that with the defending Super Bowl champs right now too. The Colts aren't in this boat alone. Look at anybody who's seen the Rams play this year Yikes. can tell you what a bad offensive line can do to a team and they went from having one of the best o-lines in the league last year to having one of the worst this year and when they go from super bowl champs to one of the worst teams in the league which is where the colts are at right now i think when you're when you're when the foundation crumbles everything around it is going to do the same thing and that's i think that's where the colts are at we broke it down yesterday biggest disappointments through 11 weeks rams packers raiders broncos colts yeah i don't see anyone else entering that bottom tier and there's still time to see who's going to win that race, although it looks like the Rams and Packers clearly would take precedent over the Colts. couple notes from Jeff Saturday today. He just spoke. No changes coming on the offensive line. Really trying to grit it out with Fries and Ryman, as you said. At some point, you have to just – you aren't going to know it until you do it. Yeah. And that's the plan going forward. So Well, they've got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Dennis Kelly sympathizers, I'm sorry. Don't expect to see yeah. Kelly stepping into the starting lineup Monday night against Pittsburgh. He said after reviewing the film, he loved the effort up front. Guys are fighting. They're pushing. It's just the details that the execution, as you pointed out, not winning one-on-one matchups – it, it's it's far too common of a trend here. Now Saturday knows what Frank Reich has been looking at for two and a half months. And uh, additionally on that, he did answer the Deion Jackson question. We mentioned that was a conversation he had with 
Milanovic, he pointed out, uh, going into the game, which was interesting. Parks Frazier's name really didn't come up today. Certainly it was a long day for the young play caller. Completely different feel from the game after Vegas, right? Now Parks Frazier in two weeks as a play caller has seen the euphoria of a plan that works and it comes together in the biggest moment. And now the questions of a plan that folded when you needed one more touchdown drive to make that thing a win. I mean, any of those from the strip sack from Ngakwe to the fourth and 10 that Sirianni goes for at his, you know, the Colts 45 to a quick three and out that followed that series. Those three series, the Colts offense turned into three total points. Yeah. And that's your game right there. Um, Anything else stood out grade-wise as you take a gander that caught your eye? Yeah, I I mean, obviously the offensive line grades were pretty atrocious across the board. Will Fry struggled, uh, worst player on the field for the offense, uh, gave up a couple pressures, gave up a sack. I believe he was penalized three times and Ryman twice together yep. either way it was five total penalties between the two I think Ryman struggled gave up uh gave up a couple of sacks by himself uh, including one there on the on the final drive um bad day at the office for Ryan Kelly as we mentioned Quentin Nelson wasn't very good so across the board the offensive line struggled Braden Smith actually had a pretty good day and there was no major just watching and that's the game that's now been the trend of he's been the one the all last year few weeks yeah he's been pretty consistent um, Outside of the start to his season, yeah, he's he's really bounced back. Um, Pittman solid, Campbell solid, um, got some good effort. Alec Pierce, I wanted to to, yeah, to ask, ask you about him. For Twenty eight for Pierce. It's been a pr- last three weeks has gone. He's he's been pretty quiet. Um, you know, after after a couple. Granted, of, everyone was quiet in Foxborough, so you can true. you can erase that one but off did, the board. Didn't see much from him in Vegas either. Yesterday, eight targets, only two catches. Right, three catches. I think it's three. Yep. Um, your thoughts on kind of the the disconnect there, maybe between it w- maybe a situation where him and Ryan had a good thing going, Ryan mm-hmm. gets benched, and now they're I trying to re- redevelop the chemistry. I think that's part of it. I think Campbell has been more involved, and I think the trust there with Campbell has taken another step. Yeah, and uh, let's face it, Matt Ryan is not afforded many plays where he can look to his second or even third you know second or third read i mean this is a no. he he is not there with time and you know okay just run around and make something out of nothing plays if if he's not your first or second read you're probably not going to end up with the ball based off the time he has to throw i think that's a huge component of this it's a rookie still trying to figure it out you know the look i think um i brought this up on the post game show Michael Pittman Jr. is not the problem with this offense. No, um, no. But there are, I think, questions to be asked long-term about do you feel really good about him being your elite number one pass catcher, game-breaker no. type guy? I don't think so. And I think you know, you're looking at a stable of really good complementary wide receivers with a Pro Bowl caliber player in Michael Pittman Jr., but I think after 11 weeks, many of us thought that you were going to have clear signs under Matt Ryan that, okay, Pittman Jr. put his put his face up on the side of the stadium. He is he is your guy, and he has had two really nice games: the opener, and then uh, the monster performance against Jacksonville. 
can never question his toughness. He goes over the middle, takes as many big God, he took shots. A huge shot yesterday. How too. many of those have you seen where it's like traffic jam, still go to eleven? He hangs on to it. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point, how frustrated do you think Michael Pittman Jr. is knowing how hard he has had to work for those yards? I mean, he has had to grind everything, it feels like. There's nothing has come easy, broken plays, you know, go route where he's hit and it's a 40-yard gain. I mean, everything for him has been blue-collar this year, and that that has to take a toll after 11 weeks. No, I'm with you. I, and I, I think the questions, I think you can, both things can be true. Michael Pittman can be a really good player and a guy you want to maybe make a cornerstone of your offense for years to come, but but you can also acknowledge that he's not a true, at least at this point, you know, he's still young, but he's not a true number one receiver. Um, he's not an A.J. Brown or a Tyree Kill or a Cooper Cup or a Stephon Diggs, and I don't think it's any coincidence, the Rams notwithstanding this year because of their terrible offensive line, but you look at you look around the league, and the the teams who have really elite receivers for the most part are teams that are winning games right now. Like that's just how that's how the game's being played. Um, and I I think the Colts clearly are missing that. I think they've got some good pieces. Obviously, Campbell's been the breakout star this year, and it's been awesome to see what he's done. And clearly, he's a weapon. Mm-hmm. I think Alec Pierce can still be a weapon. And who knows? Maybe he turns into your number one guy after he gets a couple years of experience under his belt. But right now, I do think you're missing that. Not that it would matter, because at this point, Matt Ryan's got .5 seconds to throw anyway. <laughs> so even if you had an elite receiver, it'd be hard right. to get him the ball. The stat that stood out to me, not, not so much the, the grading aspect of pro football focus, but they do a good job of breaking down how often a guy was blitzed, how often they weren't, the quarters of the field that they threw to, okay. what percentage of time, all that. So Ryan had 36 dropbacks yesterday. Mm-hmm. 45% of those dropbacks, he was under pressure. That's similar number to the Denver game mm-hmm. and a similar number to the New England game. So even so though you only allowed four sacks, sacks the the that, pressure rate yeah. was similar to those two games. And I don't care. I don't care if you got Jerry Rice and <laughs> Marvin Harrison out there no, to throw right. to. It, I mean, it just we, we it, we're, we're beating a dead horse at this point. But it it does not. Nothing matters if the offensive line gets beat like a drum. All right, we have updated playoff. Uh, percentages. So again, looking forward, the Colts entered yesterday three slots behind the final AFC wild card spot. We're going to uh, give the Titans their due and just stop talking about the division for the rest of the year. So congratulations to Mike Vrabel. Ninety-seven point eight percent chance for the Titans to win the AFC South at this point. And after the loss, the overall playoff percentage chances for the Colts 4.3 okay. so you got a 1% chance to win the division uh, and a 3.3% chance to earn a wild so card put your spot. Ellinger jerseys on 4 <laughs> is the number here in it's, Indianapolis or the hardball if you if you still got that one two questions to finish this episode Pete and a happy Thanksgiving to you ahead of time you as well my friend how many more losses before Sam Ellinger should receive his second chance to do more fact finding on what he brings to the table as a quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah, I, I mean if it if it were me, if they lost the the Pittsburgh game, okay. I think you have to take a hard look at You'd be four seven and one with five games left. Yeah. I I mean 
at that point, you, you got to run the table to make the playoffs. And you got Dallas at Dallas and at Minnesota, at the Giants on the schedule. I mean, you, you're you're looking at like less than one percent chance to make the playoffs. So, if you lose this week, now the interesting part is, I think a couple weeks ago, had you asked me this, you know, it's okay if they lose to the Steelers, they're four seven and one. You put Ellinger back in, you see what you got. But with Saturday, with the change they've made at head coach, and with Saturday potentially being here next year. We we forget Matt Ryan is still under contract next yes. year, so is that a situation where Saturday wants to continue almost like a it's you know we we know it's a tryout for Saturday is is it a tryout for Matt Ryan to to see these last seven or eight games you know how much how much gas does he have left in the tank and is. can this be a guy who if we have to like let's say the Colts don't have a top five pick let's say they're picking 11th or 12th Which, and as of right now they will have the 14th overall pick just a reminder to everyone out there who's thinking right all right well at least you're in the middle of the pack so you're not you're not getting Bryce Young you're not getting CJ Stroud you're not getting Will Levis Hendon Hooker just tore his ACL so you're probably not picking him 14th so at that point is Matt Ryan your quarterback next year if you if you are unable to to move up and draft one of those guys and you know do you want to do you want to bench him uh and potentially risk fracturing that relationship even more than it's potentially already been fractured yeah and then you go into next year having to play with a disgruntled 38 year old starting quarterback i think you got to be careful with that um i think those are all things to consider like i said if it were me um It'd be it'd be hard not to at least see what Sam has, right? Because he didn't get a fair. He, he played well in the Washington game. I think everybody thought he played pretty well Look in that what game. Zach Wilson put up yesterday against New England. Right. Just to reiterate what it's like playing with a shaky offensive line against Bill Belichick. That's yeah, I, I agree with that. He, that we're, we're going off recency bias, saying, oh gosh. He showed you nothing. Well, hold on a second. Played a terrible game without against Jonathan Taylor. Exactly. And a bad line. Yeah. I think Peter, you're, we're, you are leaning towards. You have to see more of Ellinger. I I don't think putting him on Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys would be a good no. reintroduction. No. And as you said, at that point, there's still a month left in the season, and you have to. Be very careful about how you handle a potential second benching of Matt Ryan, especially if they're just losing games and it's not because of his turnover play. Right. If he goes out and plays clean against the Steelers, but somehow they lose, I think that would detonate Matt Ryan internally if he was told on that Monday, hey, we're going to go back to Ellinger for the rest of the year. Thanks for, you know, staying ready. I, I would hold off on an Ellinger coming back until, I would think, the final two games of the season. Right. And um, you would have four games of tape from him. You have, at that point, you know, if you're out of it, you're right. Is Jonathan Taylor playing in those games? Maybe not. Um, But I think four games is fair for someone who started the year as a third-string quarterback. Yeah. And it, I think it would be that would be the number that would sound fair in Matt Ryan's head, knowing that he and the Colts are going to have to meet pretty quickly after this season ends. And the ball will be in the Colts' court to lay out their plans. And unequivocally, that will include 
adding a quarterback in the draft and explaining to Ryan that you may have to earn your job in training camp and we would love to have you as the guy slash the mentor of whoever they take. I don't see much of a trade market for Matt Ryan. I don't yeah, see no. I expect Ryan to be on this team next year barring a breakup and him being released. Um and I think it would make a lot of sense. You know, there's no magic wand here. If you can have someone mold a young quarterback, much better that be Matt Ryan than some backup coming in. You know, Nick Foles will not be on this team next year. I think that's very clear. Yeah. If he's still playing football, um, Matt Ryan being around next year means a lot more than I think many Colts fans think right now because of how this season has gone. You have to think logically about this situation and your most realistic chance to hit on a young quarterback and potentially buy a little more time. And to me, that's that's going to involve Matt Ryan. I can't see another scenario. Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, the, there, there's no there's no real trade market out there for him. And, and you're not gonna you're not gonna just cut a guy who you owe what is it twenty some million dollars to next season. I mean, it wouldn't make any sense to do that. So if he's I, you know willing to play ball right. with this scenario, now it could be a they could be really boxed in if if he's not up for that and there is no trade market and he doesn't want to retire. But again, we're this is assuming that they that they are able to draft a quarterback, which at this point is no guarantee. I mean, Chris Ballard has if he's still the the general manager at years in, how many times has he said, "I'm not going to draft a quarterback just to draft a quarterback?" He's he's pretty stubborn on that front. He's not going to I I do think though at this point, knowing how painful this season has been for him professionally and personally, that there is only one road forward. Yeah, for his, for his job security and for the franchise. Quite frankly, I mean, there's, I, I cannot see a scenario where, where they don't draft one. Correct. I'm not saying it needs to be the first pick, but it needs to be within the first. Well, they don't have a. Do they have a second rounder? It's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I would find it impossible for him to get through the first three rounds without taking a quarterback that will be billed as potentially the future they do have a second rounder they don't have a third rounder okay. so you're looking at first two rounds probably I, I, or you take a I flyer just don't on a kid. see a scenario where those two picks come in and they, they're non-quarterbacks so so I, who, I don't know how that would be defensible at this point right i'm just you know who is it you know, if, if you're not getting one of the one of the three hey, or four guys at the top, Jalen Hurts was the 53rd overall pick. Pal. That's that's true, but there you are what? there are a lot more second round picks that don't work out than that do. I know, but at some point you got to put darts on the board. Yeah, you I, have to. I I'm with you. I mean, I, I Jacob Eason is the highest drafted quarterback since Andrew Luck. There is a here kid, in Indianapolis. There is a that's kid. A, yeah, I know that's that, a bit alarming. It's you're right, and I think if they do go that route, where you're give me your little, I see you have a, you may have a dark horse name here. We're already talking yeah. the draft. On yeah, November uh, that's twenty first. That, I mean, that, that's there's going to be a lot of that over the next couple months. Yeah, there is Jake Hayner, Fresno State, seems like a guy to me. And who knows? You can I mean, always sling it out there, Fresno. They, they're, always, some, they're always they're always Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, He's he's a dude who when you watch him play, 
can make the throws and has that kind of it factor. has has the it factor yeah has has the has the kind of leadership ability guys rally around him um and just makes plays can do it a little bit with his legs and and like i said can make all the throws is a is a winner I mean, yeah. he's he's been great at fresno state every year he's been there and what's he slotted probably at? second third round okay so, so i mean he's a guy who if, if you were dead set okay we, we're going to draft a quarterback like that's a that's a guy who you would potentially target you know later in the draft if if you didn't trade up to get one in mm-hmm. the top 10 in the in the first round and who i mean at this point you know the colts right now are 14th but the way this thing's going with the schedule they have left with how bad the offensive line has been and the pass rushers you look ahead on their schedule that they're still going to have to play you wonder how they're going to win those games there's still a good chance that they finish in the top five i think in the draft order and then at that point you know i mean they would Peter, they would probably have to go one and five. I think I to think climb into that top five. If I were fourteenth, I'm I'm going to go on record right now and say I'd be surprised if they if they win more than one game the rest of the year. Okay, I think one and five, maybe even zero and six, for this team, is what you're <laughs> looking at. I like you look. Pete, you they, look had, at, they had the Eagles beat yesterday, but, but mind look, you, before the last eight minutes of that game. Look at the schedule though, like like the Steelers aren't great. But they've won seven straight here in Indy, and and they've got an elite pass rusher. Are, it's a totally different defense when T.J. Watt's playing and he's back now. How are the Colts going to block Watt and Highsmith? How? <laughs> I, How on earth I, are you going to block those guys? I I'm sure Chris Strasser is asking himself the same thing today. Go to Dallas. How are you going to block Michael Parsons? Yeah, that, and that didn't defensive go very line. well for Minnesota yesterday, did it? Yeah, Minnesota's defense. Minnesota's defensive line has been good all year. You, you got to play the Chargers and Bosa and Khalil Mack, and then you got to go to the Giants. Yeah, this, is and- the, this is the thick of the the edge rush concerns that you've we mapped out probably week two when you looked at. This is really the heart of right the the questions outside of the Denver game, I right? Mean, uh, and Judon in Foxborough, obviously. So um, it, unless you hold all those teams to like ten or less points. I, I don't see I don't see the Colts winning those games, and then you, and then you got the Texans at the end of the year, so you can get that one. So I think I think one and five at most, two and four. So let's say let's say let's say they if win they one. If they go two and four, right? What would your record be? You'd be six, ten and one. Six, ten and one. That's a top ten pick. Publicly, would Jim Irsay, granted he can do whatever he wants, would he have enough to bring Jeff Saturday back? If Saturday wins three games over the final, what would be eight weeks of the season? If, he, if Jeff Saturday goes three and five, does Ursay not care about, you know, is that, is that enough for him to public opinion? It, he knows it, it's a, the right move because that's now the question, too, of what's the worst record Saturday yeah. can post? To retain this job at this point, nothing Ursay does would surprise me. And maybe it's me. a waste of time that we're talking about. Maybe I don't think he knows at this point. I don't think he at this point he probably doesn't have a number in mind. Like I think he brought Saturday in here as a desperation move to try to get the season turned around, and he'll he'll reevaluate at the end mm-hmm. of the year. I mean, you know, I think his his thinking was Saturday was going to come in here, turn this thing around, and they were going to compete for a playoff spot down the stretch. Like I think that's. Which that's had you won yesterday? Thought. You're there. That's legit. But it's the NFL. Reality. Yeah, yeah. And you, now, now you're gonna need. We've been over it a million times. I mean, how how do you piece together 
a five and one record with this team that's won back to back games once this season? I think it a lot of it depends on not so much the record, but how they look at in these last six games. You know, well, what, what's Frank the Frank Reich's level? nodding in agreement because right. had that been a different as you said, had that looked differently, even in the second half of that New England game, Frank Reich's still a coach here. Right. If they're as competitive over the next six games as they were yesterday, I mean, if every game's a field goal game, it, it's hard to see Jeff Saturday not being brought back. I agree right? with that. Because I, I think we're both on the same page that he That's, Jim wants Jeff right. Saturday to be the coach. Right. So no if if games are competitive and they show fight until the end of the year, even if they finish six, ten, and one. I think that's Ursay's guy. I mean, there's a reason he brought him in here. He didn't pull Jeff Saturday out of the out of the analyst booth. No, you're right. Just just for him to come in here for nine there's, games. There's a vision there, for right? Sure. Um, for sure. But if it goes really bad, I mean, if it, if it's to the point where you know, let's say they lose to the Cowboys, like the Vikings lost to the Cowboys, and the next week they yeah. get blown out, and then you get killed by the Chargers, well, then it's you know, at that point, I think Jim Jim would have a real decision that he'd have to make that, hey, do I want to. Do I want to try to sell this to my fan base who just saw us get wrecked for the last seven games of the year to bring this guy back? And you're right. To this point, I wouldn't expect that to happen because they've been in every game with the exception of Jacksonville. And if they go 6-10-1, and one, Chris Ballard's, I think, I think is gone. I don't think, I think if it finishes that poorly, you'd have, imagine trying to sell that to your fan base. This is this is the guy who who put this offensive line together, who traded for this quarterback, mm-hmm. and and after that season, we're gonna we're gonna bring him back and going to potentially allow him to draft the quarterback of the future. I just don't see that happening. So then, if you bring in a new general manager, are you gonna are you going to force that general manager to work with Jeff Saturday? Because we've seen those arranged marriages before, and and how you know chaotic and reckless they can be. Um, so that that's another decision that's going to need to be made. Wild, Peter. Wild. All right, that was week 11. We're out of time. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Be safe. Enjoy the family time. We'll see you on Monday Night Football. Wish TV, baby. Check out more podcasts from the All Indiana Podcast Network now. Now. At allindianapodcastnetwork.com. All.